All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And as I like to remind you every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is also in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? With regard to Chen's newsletter, uh, I should uh, tell you that at the end of this month, uh, he will not be accepting new subscriptions uh, uh, starting November 1st. If you wish to subscribe to Chen, uh, you will need to call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, um, at, uh, or you can actually put your name on uh, on a waiting list as well. Either call Claudio to do that or to, or go to the website um, at bindingstocks.com, and you can put your name on a waiting list. Then at the end of the each quarter or at the first of uh, the first 10 days of each new quarter we will be accepting uh, Chen will be accepting new uh, subscriptions but uh, he is going to limit the number of subscribers that he has at this point in time uh, starting November 1st so uh, if you want to sign up for Chen Lin before this new policy goes into effect I would suggest that you go to uh, miningstocks.com where you can sign up for Chen or my own newsletter also like to tell you that you can go to um, you can go to J Taylor Media, J Taylor, that's J A Y T A Y L O R Media dot com to, uh, to access this radio show, uh, access everything else that I do, and also Chen's newsletter and my newsletter. And you can call Claudio Bossi in New York at 718 457 1426. 718 457 1426. Should also tell you that you can follow me on Twitter. The handle there is J Taylor Media. J-A-Y Taylor Media. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel, and I also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show um, are Airway Energy, Aravista Gold, Blue Sky Uranium, Bravada Gold, Brazil Resources, Eurasian Minerals, Millrock Resources, Northern Free Gold, and Riverside Resources. Um, I do want to. Uh, we have. I should mention that we have two new sponsors this week uh, that I just read off their names. Uh, the two new ones that we have this week are Blue Sky Uranium and Bravada Gold Corp. Now, both of these companies are very exciting stories in my view, and that's why I have uh, added them to my newsletter. Both of my recommendations in my newsletter, and I have also personally purchased shares. Of both of these companies, let me just talk a little bit about both of them. They will uh, CEOs of those companies will be coming on to talk uh, and to tell their story to you in the near future. 
But Blue Sky Uranium is um, a company that's selling on the Toronto Exchange. BSK is its symbol. Uh, it's, uh, it's trading at about ten cents. There's only twenty-three point four million shares. It means it's got a market cap of a mere two point three million dollars. Well, yeah, I think uh, you know you have to always be careful when you're talking about penny stocks. Um, I know there was somebody used to say when you look at penny stocks. Um, they are sold by Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, the firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. Well, I don't quite buy that notion. In fact, I think that if you know what you're buying or if you have a good educated uh, guess about what you're buying and you can buy something low, why not buy them low? I mean, why do you have to wait for a stock to get extremely expensive before it's a good deal? Well, of course, part of the answer is by that time, a lot of the risk is taken out of the stock. So, but so is a lot of the upside. So what we really want to do and what I try to do in my newsletter and a lot of other newsletter writers try to do is to provide you with a sense of what are the risk and reward um, trade-offs on any, any given um, uh, stock that is recommended. Well, let's talk about Blue Sky Uranium for a moment. BSK, as I said, symbol, 10 cents a share, 23.4 million shares of stock outstanding. This is a company that has an, a uranium project in uh, exploration project in Argentina, uh, in a province in Argentina that is considered uh, relatively safe politically. Uh, but what I really like about this company is Arriva, the gigantic French uh, nuclear power company, nuclear energy company, is spending a considerable amount of money to uh, to explore and develop this property. And it's my understanding that Areva has chosen this as one of its three prime targets around the world. It is a flat-lying deposit. Uh, well, we can't, I guess, call it a deposit yet, but there's mineralization. It needs to be drilled. Uh, but it's near-surface, flat-lying, uh, relatively low-grade, yes, but very easy to mine, very low-cost to mine, assuming uh, the drilling points out uh, the number of pounds that are necessary to make this a viable project. Well, you got a company with 2.3 million market cap, uh, relatively low risk, I think, for Blue Sky because they're not spending the money, so you don't have to worry about the kind of dilution that you see with companies that are going it alone and spending their own money to develop a project. So Blue Sky Uranium uh, is one that we will be talking about. It is a recommendation in my newsletter. I've written about it. I expect to talk about it a lot more, and I believe there's going to be some drill results coming out fairly soon. So with some good drill results, we could possibly see some uh, some action in this stock. It's been very quiet. Uh, I don't know how much stock is available at $0.10, cents, but there is some. Uh, I have purchased some recently myself uh, at around those levels. The other newcomer uh, to our sponsorship this week uh, is Bravada Gold Corp. This also is a company that I have purchased shares for my own uh, for my own retirement account. It is also a recommendation in my newsletter. It's got a market cap of about eight million dollars. It has a, a project called the Wind Mountain Project in Nevada. It's a former producing gold mine. Uh, they do have just under about a million ounces of gold in all categories right now on that uh, on that project, and twenty four point eight million ounces of silver. And what I think really makes this exciting now is a recent deal that was announced with Argonaut. That is a relatively small producer in the gold space, a gold mining company, but a successful one. And they are growing. They are acquiring other properties as well. Uh, Prodigy Gold, which has been a sponsor on this show, was recently acquired by Argonaut at a very nice, about a 50% uh, premium. We've had uh, that company on uh, to talk about that project. So that's been a winner, another uh, former um, 
uh, former sponsor of the show. But uh, Bravada Gold Corp. is now a sponsor, and we'll be talking to their CEO in the near future as well uh, about the Wind Mountain prospects. Um, as it is, it turns out the deal with Argonaut, based on what the company has in the ground now, uh, you know, could be paying upwards to uh, four, four or five times uh, what the current company's current market cap of eight million is for those ounces in the ground. That's uh, we'll be more specific about the deal uh, and about this story when we get the CEO on to talk about it. Limited time uh, keeps me from from going into more detail, though you can get details uh, on Blue Sky Uranium as well as Bravada Gold by going to uh, by subscribing to my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Should mention just a few of the other sponsors that I think also uh, are very exciting. Airway Energy Inc. is a small but growing uh, oil and gas producer in uh, Alberta. The company is selling at 49 cents a share today. ARW is its symbol. Uh, 54 million shares outstanding gives it a market cap of about 26 million dollars. I look for this company to grow steady earnings, and it's doing its earnings growth now uh, without the benefit of natural gas sales. Although uh, the oil production is about 90 percent of total uh, production, nonetheless. Um, uh, some upside there. They've shut in the natural gas and will sell it later when the natural gas prices improve. Uh, um, Aravista Gold is one that we haven't talked about much at all on this show, but Aravista uh, is a company in Quebec. I think Quebec is definitely one of the best mining provinces, prov- places that uh, po- political jurisdictions in the world to mine. This is a company that has just a, a nearly 3 million ounces of gold, open pitable ounces in Quebec, um, in um, very favorable infrastructure, all of that, uh, 55 million shares of stock, outstanding $13 million market cap, I think also one that is very undervalued, and Aravista is a company that I also own and uh, have uh, have recommended in my newsletter, as is Brazil Resources. This is headed up by Amira Nani. Um, Amir is considered to be one of the rising stars in the uh, junior resource space, um, and uh, he just, uh, with the Brazil Resources, just recently uh, made an acquisition of one property, and I think a second property. I know the one that they picked up initially uh, was a very advanced stage project. Amir has an excellent track record of moving uh, projects along, and uh, one of the things that I really like about Brazil Resources is that they have a banking institution in Brazil that is tied in uh, with this company and provides the company with some very deep financing pockets, which is always a very, very important thing uh, in the exploration business. But I, I feel very confident that Amira Nani uh, can move things along in a positive direction for Brazil Resources. 41.3 million shares of stock outstanding, a dollar four today. It was trading one of the few stocks that had green on the screen today. Uh, giving it a market cap of $43 million. We've talked about Eurasian minerals in the past. Um, one of my favorite, actually my favorite, project generator company, $2.36, 71.2 million shares, $168 million market cap. Yes, it's more expensive than some of the others on our list, but this is a company that also has good cash flows coming in from a royalty on a Newmont Gold project in, um, in Nevada, but has... Uh, very large-scale exploration targets that are being funded by very large mining companies that are looking for very large deposits. And uh, all they need to do is find one uh, one of these projects that will make this a huge winner. Uh, Turkey, some good, uh, good results coming in from Turkey recently. Very excited about a project they have in Haiti as well as, um, uh, as, well as Australia. 
and uh, recently picked up a copper gold property in eastern Russia. Millrock Resources, we're going to be talking to them next week, to the CEO next week. 28 cents a share. MRO is the symbol. 70.8 million shares. This is a project generator company. $20 million market cap uh, with some excellent uh, copper targets in us in um, uh, Arizona and some really exciting gold targets in Alaska. So we'll be talking to that company next week. Northern Free Gold, um, a, a recent uh, newcomer as a sponsor of this show, uh, selling at 13.5 cents. They have uh, something like 3 million or close to 3 million ounces of a gold equivalent um, up in, uh, in, um, in the Yukon. One of the things that I think makes this very attractive is the company's uh, is uh, uh, the company's infrastructure is much better than most Yukon plays, uh, not that far from electricity, which is also another consideration. And Riverside Resources, uh, another of my favorite project generators, is a sponsor, 78 cents a share, uh, $27 million market cap. John Mark Stoddy is doing an excellent job of being uh, running a disciplined, a disciplined show uh, for this company. Well, I should get on here now with uh, today's show. We are going to be talking to Bill Lagner. We're going to be, uh, he is a, a fund manager. We're going to be talking about, uh, well, the topic for today is who will bail out the world um, and how can we turn the pain into gain. Uh, Bill Lagner has been with us before. Uh, we'll hear what he has to say about the financial mess that the global economy is in and uh, what are the opportunities that might spring forth from that. Uh, from those problems, and uh, more specifically, we'll be talking to Mickey Falp as well at about 4 o'clock. Uh, Mickey will talk to us about some specific investment ideas that he has. And then uh, at about 4.30 today, we'll be talking to Jeff Dice, that's Ron Paul's chief of staff, to get his view on the presidential elections and also um, you know, what he thinks about a uh, recent hit job on David Stockman by National Review, and uh, maybe we'll get Jeff's ideas about um, Ben Bernanke. Will he stay on as Federal Reserve uh, Chairman? Uh, and what might that mean? Also, we want to ask him if uh, Romney wins the election, uh, will his boss then uh, be involved with the um, with the Gold Commission, the Gold Study that is supposed to take place, assuming Romney wins the presidency? Um, I just like to mention one more thing that I think is so fundamental for the gold mining industry, and that is that the real price of gold remains strong. Yes, today the markets are getting hit hard. I see the Dow is down over 200 points, the S&P down 16. Gold is down hard. But if you look at the gold to everything else, gold to the other, the other commodities, it's remaining very strong. And this has been very, very bullish for the gold mining profits. Also should mention, uh, I, I like to keep an eye on this ratio, the gold to silver ratio. As Bob Hoy points out, if we get above 53, it usually indicates that there's some major financial problems brewing in the markets. And if that's the case, uh, we are at 53.71 when I looked earlier today. We could be getting, uh, I hope and pray not, but we could be getting very close to another major problem in the markets. Um, in any event, uh, this is, of course, speculation. Uh, we are going to talk in just a few minutes. We have to go to a commercial break now, and we are going to be talking to Jonathan uh, Jonathan Moore. He's a senior vice president and managing director at Summit Business Media, and this is a company that's putting on an excellent uh, show. A, uh, it's a um, uh, well, it's a show to do with mining companies primarily uh, at the Marriott Hotel in downtown San Francisco. I will be attending there, and we'll be talking to Jonathan after the break. Uh, so don't go away.
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. Attention mining investors. Brazil Resources Incorporated trading as BRIZF on the OTC and BRI on the TSXV is exploring and developing five gold projects in Brazil surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits. It's acquiring a nearly 700,000 ounce gold resource. BRI has top geologists earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold in Brazil led by recognized mining executive Admir Adnani, chairman. Check out Brazil Resources or call 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with you for the first time, Jonathan Moore. He's the Senior Vice President and Managing Director of Summit Business Media, and this is a company that puts on the show uh, a, uh, a resource show, company-sponsored resource show in San Francisco, uh, known as the San Francisco Hard Asset Conference. They also have a conference in New York uh, with a similar name. Uh, and anyway, the conference is coming up on November 16th and 17th. I will be attending. We'll be speaking there as well. Uh, but it is at the, as I say, at the Marriott Marquis Hotel in downtown uh, San Francisco. Uh, I'm scheduled to speak at the conference, as I say. I have a workshop at around 7.40 in the morning, then a brief 15-minute talk at 4.45, and then I'm really honored to be on a panel discussion with some people that I hold in high esteem, and uh, that is the bull and bear discussion that ends the conference. Uh, so I'm really, uh, really honored to be a part of this, and I'm really honored to have uh, to have with me uh, Jonathan. Welcome, Jonathan, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Hi Jay, great to uh, great to talk to you, and uh, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here with you. 
Well, it's a pleasure to have you, and I and we were talking before we went on the air that in fact you are going to be le- heading out for Singapore tomorrow. Your organization puts on a show in Singapore. Talk to us just a moment about that, if you yeah, and and maybe uh, tell us uh, where people can go to follow all that your your organization does. Sure. So Summit Business Media is the parent company, and we have uh, subsidiary uh, international investment conferences, which focuses on investment events in the hard asset space. So uh, domestically, we have three programs. Uh, You mentioned two, the San Francisco hard asset program coming up uh, in November. We just uh, last month um, had our inaugural Chicago hard asset event, and we do every May a New York hard asset event. Mm And then we have two presently international events, uh, the Investing in Asian Mining in Daba, which is a program focused on investment opportunities on the continent of Asia, which takes place uh, next week in Singapore. And then our uh, largest event is the Investing in African Mining in Daba, which is a 7,000-person investment conference that takes place every February in Cape Town, South Africa. Well, that sounds like a big event then. Um, So is there a website where people can go to? Sure. Uh, the, the the best place to go across the board for everything is uh, www. Uh, I uh, sorry. Uh, I conference. I I dot com, um, and then uh, miningandaba dot com for the international events, and then hard assets. SF.com for San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, NY.com for New York, and CHI.com for Chicago. Excellent. Very good. Well, okay. Uh, why? So we've got this event coming in San Francisco, and I know it's, it's one that I've attended the last number of years. It's always a, a good time. It's uh, usually very well attended, lots of interesting companies, I guess probably because so much of the mining takes place out on the west coast of Canada, and they're very near. Uh, there's, of course, California has been known for its mining in the past, not in recent years for sure, but it's, uh, San Francisco was built on, uh, on gold mining to a great extent, I believe. Uh, why, why should investors attend this conference? Yeah, the, 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 the platform of the conference is, uh, is an interesting one. Uh, it's a, a great mix of, uh, what I would consider to be the foremost experts in investing in hard assets, uh, talking about their opinions on where the market's going, where particular commodities are going, interspersed with corporate presentations from, uh, active projects and projects that are, uh, in various degrees of, uh, of exploration so that our attendees have the opportunity to hear firsthand not only from the pundits in the marketplace about where things are going, but actually from the corporate executives about specific projects within specific companies. Parallel to that, we have an exhibition floor where those companies have stands set up and attendees can go and and talk specifically about uh, those projects, talk specifically about where they are in in the pipeline, uh, what's going on within the context of the company, and really get a first-hand opportunity to interact with the management of the company that they're potentially looking to invest in. And a unique combination there in not only hearing from the experts in the industry, but then also getting the opportunity to go firsthand and talk to these CEOs, talk to these uh, you know, heads of exploration about what's happening within the company and be able to ask their specific questions about the investment opportunities within those companies. Uh, that uh, that is really true. Uh, you, investors can can basically, depending on their skill levels and their understanding of mining, can can uh, take it about as far as they want. If it's uh, you know, if you're more technically inclined, there are, as you say, the geologists, 
the company heads that are there can address those issues. And also, I might just add that my good friend Brent Cook, who's been a guest on this show, also provides, and, and some other uh, geologists, I think Mickey Falp, who will be with us later yes, in the show, will be there. Yes, later today? Yes, he'll be here later. Mickey will be uh, at the end, towards the end of the show. These are people that also provide some guidance and help for investors to uh, to help them to understand what they need to look for to reduce the risks when they're investing in the sector, because investing in exploration stocks certainly is a, a risky business. It is, and I think one of the things that uh, you know makes the combination of the event so so attractive is that you can hear from experts like yourself, Mickey, Brent, uh, some of the other folks that we have on there about what they look for, what they see as critical criteria in assessing whether or not an investment opportunity is a good one or a bad one, and then take that detail and take those findings and have the opportunity, again, to go straight to the CEO or straight to the executive that's there and ask their own specific questions so that they can make sure it fits in with their parameters and their investment objectives. Do you, uh, are you expecting a good turnout? Yeah, but, uh, for, the, for the three domestic shows, the San Francisco show is, is always our strongest for uh, a lot of the reasons that you alluded to, uh, obviously a history of, of mining. Uh, proximity to, to Vancouver is certainly uh, an, a, an important one. We'll probably have about 2,800 uh, participants this year, uh, which is on par what we typically have at, at this event. Um, the makeup of the audience is uh, a pretty wide swath, but for the most part, retail investors focused um, on, on the mining investment uh, marketplace uh, and and also specific commodity investment. How uh, how many company uh, exhibitors do you expect? Uh, this year we will have roughly 200 exhibitors, uh, and they they span a, a fairly um, um, good. Uh, um, Range. The majority of them are certainly junior gold and silver companies, but we also cover uh, copper and rare earths and um, uh, some other companies that focus on uh, larger aspects of, of investment within the commodities and, and, and mining exploration areas. You might have um, some oil and gas companies too, possibly? On the Maybe. margin, there's probably one or two. Yeah. Um, we, it, it, it's a slightly different marketplace. Um, yeah. Sometimes we have a couple of them that come on board, but it's not uh, what I would say is kind of a strong suit for us. Right, for sure. No, that's uh, so. The mix would be heavily towards uh, uh, leaning towards uh, precious metals, probably. I guess that's usually the case. Very uh, true. Uh, now, just uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the uh, some of the speakers that you have, uh, keynote speakers. Uh, really, some very interesting people. I, I look over, I see James Dines, uh, Rick Rule. You want to talk a little bit about some of your keynote speakers? Yeah, I, I think it's one of the things that is truly uh, the the differentiator of this event um, versus some of the ones that are out there. And I'd be remiss without starting uh, by saying that you have been a, uh, a long supporter of this, and we certainly appreciate um, your participation in the event. As you mentioned earlier, there's uh, a few things that you're going to be doing uh, within the context of this, a, a workshop that takes place on the Friday, uh, then a session uh, on Saturday afternoon, and then, as you had mentioned, the Bulls and Bears sessions, which is uh, always one of our are more lively debates, but um, in addition to yourself, uh, and, and we also mentioned Mickey Fulp, who uh, mm -hmm. I know you said is going to be on the show later today, um, Paul Van Eden, uh, Rick Rule, Jim Dines, uh, uh, Gordon Holmes, um, we're going to have Peter Schiff back, we, we've, we haven't had him in some time, so we're excited to have uh, mm -hmm. uh, him back in the lineup, um, Dr. Michael Berry, uh, uh, Pam Aiden, I mean, yeah. it's... I, 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 without without sounding like I'm, I'm somewhat tooting our own horn, I, I think the quality and the level of uh, sophisticated 
um, pundits and, and, and newsletter analysts and, and uh, experts in the field really is something that uh, is unique with respect to the hard asset investment conferences. Well, I don't disagree with you, and uh, I don't know that you um, are out of place in tooting your own horn. I can tell you that these are the people that you named. I think the only one I've not had on my show is James Dines on this radio show. All the others have been on with me, including uh, Peter Schiff in the past. So uh, they, these are names that I, I, you know, and I'm really honored to be on the panel discussion with some of these, some of these people as well. Um, okay, so it's a bull and bears discussion. Are, are we talking about bullish? Uh, are we talking about? Uh, bulls and bears in the equity markets and the, and the gold markets, or, or is that up to Rick Rule, who's going to moderate the? Um, panel? Rick, Rick, it will be the moderator, and, and one of the great things about Rick is he uh, he he will drive us to a point where we get some lively debate. Um, historically, we've covered everything from individual commodities and, and and where we see gold going, where we see silver going, um, to specific not specific companies, but. Uh, looking at the equity side, uh, saying, hey, listen, where, where are these going? Um, do we see the juniors going in a certain direction? Um, how does it translate between gold, silver, rare earths, things along those lines? Um, I think one of the things that Rick does ex- exceptionally well is really kind of takes the group that we have there, gets them to a point where, for the benefit of the audience, you start to understand their thinking as to what's driving, not whether or not they're bullish or bearish, but why. Yeah, exactly. And I think no, that's I, when it. Yeah, that's when it starts to translate to something that becomes powerful for the audience. Yeah, it becomes it come, becomes useful. Uh, don't just tell me it's going up or going down, but why. And Rick is uh, absolutely a genius when it comes to uh, moderating these these events. No doubt about it. And he really does. Uh, he really does get his thinking up there on the stage, no doubt about that. Well, we are uh, we are out of time. Uh, I want to thank you very much for uh, coming on again. Uh, it's the San Francisco Hard Asset Show, and it is at the Mar- Marriott Marquis and Marriott Marquis Hotel downtown San Francisco. That's in the 16th and 17th. And people can go where to sign up for this at II Concerts. Uh, www.iiconf or specifically for the San Fran show www.hardassetssf.com Excellent. Thank you very much Jonathan uh, for coming on and uh, telling our listeners a little bit more about the San Francisco show. I hope a lot of uh, you folks out there will come and see me and all of the other speakers and visit the companies there because it is I think a, a very a very um, a very important event to if you're in this sector if you're investing in this sector and I know a lot of our listeners are so I hope to see as many of you out there as possible and thanks again Jonathan for being with us and also have a safe trip to Singapore Jay thank you so much and I look forward to seeing you when we get to San Francisco likewise take care well. okay okay folks don't go away I'm gonna be right back with Bill Wagner a hedge fund manager who has uh, managed to do extremely well in bear markets and you know, we're thinking bear markets on a day like today when the Dow is down uh, 200 points or so. So you're not going to miss what Bill Lagner has to say. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the reality is that exploration for mineral deposits is risky business, though the rewards for shareholders can be enormous. At Millrock Resources, we don't believe in risking your investment on a treasure hunt. We believe in leveraging shareholder capital to generate projects and partnering with mining giants such as Kinross, Ballet, Inmet, and Tech to fund our exploration in the mining-friendly states of Alaska and Arizona. By utilizing this business model, Millrock Resources increases the potential of finding economic gold and copper deposits and maximizing shareholder wealth. For more information, please visit us at www.millrockresources.com or find us on the TSX Venture under MRO. I've recently recommended Northern Free Gold to my subscribers because its nearly 6 million gold equivalent ounce resource can lead to a major rise in its share price. The company's Yukon project is in a politically safe jurisdiction, far from population centers, and it is advantaged with road access and nearby electricity. A large deposit and a vision of positive economics should make Northern Free Gold an acquisition target. The potential upside, in my view, for these shares is major. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to underlying problems. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to triple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Hard times and the good times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and it is October uh, the 23rd, Tuesday, and it's a bloody day on Wall Street, no doubt about it. The Dow is down now 227 points, and uh, the S&Ps are getting hit real hard. Gold is down hard. Almost everything is down hard except treasuries. Treasuries, of course, the beneficiary when times are tough, at least so far that's been the case. Uh, I'm really pleased to have with me once again Bill Lagner. Uh, Bill has, uh, he's been with us before. Uh, I'm not going to read over his bio right now because I don't want to waste the time, uh, in, uh, since it, you can go to the website and read the bio. But Bill, just, uh, suffice it to say that he, uh, and his partner Kevin Duffy have done a magnificent job of managing money in a hedge fund during, uh, during the really bad days, the really bad markets. So, um, you know, if you're looking uh, for somebody who can really help you uh, in, in tough markets, uh, you might want to pay some attention to what 
Bill has to say. Welcome, Bill. It's good to have you back. Jay, thanks for having me back. Yeah, so we're having a tough day uh, today on the markets. Um, uh, is this good news for the uh, for your fund, the Bearing Asset Management? Well, with the way we're the way we're positioned, it is. But I, I think it's um, it's a long overdue uh, event. In, in other words, it's the um, it's the realization phase that you know numerous interventions by both the United States and European central banks and Chinese central banks, for that matter. Um, bankers have not really accomplished their goal, which was uh, kind of unified uh, uh, asset reflation and kind of a coordinated global economic recovery. I think it's fair to say that by now, anyway, we're several years into this experiment, and uh, if you were to, to, to get the report card out, I think you would, you would give Ds and Fs in just about every category. Well, it would certainly seem, seem to be the case. Uh... I don't know. I mean, I don't think that uh, this report card would be a surprise to you or to your partner, Kevin, would it? I mean, if we go back uh, 2008 and we saw what, you know, all the so-called remedies, I think uh, you guys probably would have more or less predicted uh, this kind of a bad outcome. Yeah, I, I think, you know, timing, of course, is always a challenge. We were early on the private sector credit bubble when it was building, um, and it lasted uh, longer than what Kevin and I both anticipated. You know, I think we've talked about this on your program before. They threw $12 trillion collectively at the system and new fiat, um, all the central bankers combined. They had uh, asset inflation for the first uh, several years. And then one by one, you could see that the um, – you know, treating debt with more debt problem with more debt was not the solution, and you know some of the weaker countries like Greece, like Spain, like Italy, Portugal. I mean, they're now um, contracting at a pretty steep pace, and France has actually joined in, and I think Germany is probably the one of uh, very few European countries that actually has a positive GDP. So, um, I actually think. This time around, we're going to deal with our problems uh, more efficiently. We should have done this four years ago. Could have saved everyone a whole lot of time and capital. And I think one by one, Jay, we'll have the dominoes fall, just like the private sector credit bubble, and we will go into a debt restructuring um, reboot process. And I think ultimately, and there will be money printing along with that, of course, but I think ultimately that will pave the foundation for something very uh, positive on the other side. The question, of course, is you know, how lengthy is this tumultuous period? Yeah. Why do you think we'll, uh, we'll deal with it more efficiently now? Because I think, it's, I think you, you talked about it uh, when we first started, that you know, Kevin and I and many others in the Austrian uh, camp uh, knew this wouldn't work. But I think even just average Americans now are realizing they're looking around and saying this is this is a disaster. You can see the unintended consequences of zero percent interest rates and money printing, and you know the buildup of the political crony capitalists, and and of course the squeezing and and the compression of the market entrepreneur. I think the public, if you look at awareness uh, both here and abroad, look at the protesting going on in Spain. Uh, Catalonia wants to leave the country, become its own republic. All of this backlash is extremely healthy, and mm -hmm. it's basically the realization that you know bailouts and intervention doesn't work. It just makes the situation much more cumbersome. So, you know, and these different cultures will deal with their problems uh, uh, individually. But I think that 
the reality is, is that central planning, the growth of central bank balance sheets, pricing interest rates at zero, and trying to protect the, the primary dealers around the world is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Well, it sounds uh, like you and Bob Hoy may be somewhat in agreement. I think Bob Hoy believes that we, I think he said, uh, he believes we're about to start a bull market in common sense, and he thinks also that bull market in common sense will uh, will require a, a demolition, perhaps, of the Federal Reserve Bank. And now I hear there are talks, even if Romney is not uh, elected, that uh, Mr. Bernanke may not stick around. Any thoughts well, on that? Well, I think... I think Bob is, I would I totally agree with Bob, I respect all of his work. Um, I think that, you know, it took a while. It's like anything else, when when these major events happen, you know, the I think the people who are realists can embrace uh, the challenges and, and prepare accordingly, where a lot of people that have been lulled to sleep and or the professional speculator who doesn't want to leave the casino, if you look at the, the hedge fund community and you know, the leverage that they're using and, and the kinds of stocks that they're hiding out in on the long side. I mean, it's, it's going to be, um, it's going to be very challenging. There's no doubt about it. We're going to get a lot of volatility. We're going to get a lot of uncertainty, I think, uh, the next several years. But, um, I think ultimately we will, um, reboot the system. I think the currency markets and the crises that we witness will be, uh, unlike anything you and I have seen in our lifetime, but I think that will lay the foundation for something very positive. The question, of course, is how do you get over this last bridge? And Mm -hmm. I've got a few ideas. I don't think anyone knows the the, the complete blueprint, but uh, I think that that's the challenge and it's also the opportunity. Yeah, indeed, and I think, uh, you know, one of the challenges is uh, along the lines of what we discussed last week when we had Dr. Larry Parks and Ian Gordon on to talk about the uh, the issue of inflation and deflation because which way this thing goes and the timing of which way it goes, of course, has everything to do with how you invest your monies. Uh, you know, the, your fund was able to foresee a contraction, I think, of the credit markets or problems, let's say, stresses in the credit markets. You positioned yourselves accordingly, and whereas most people were losing 50%, 60% of, of, their, uh, of their portfolios in 2008, 2009, you guys did extremely well in, in, uh, in increasing wealth. Uh, so the question then, uh, I know that we talked about this last week, but what are, what is your sense in terms of what, what is the imminent problem? I mean, today as we look at a 248 point decline in the Dow, you think deflation, you think contraction, but do you, do you see that as the near term problem, perhaps, followed well, by think, inflation, or, or what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Jay, I think if the inflationists were were, let's say if we were going to grade the inflationists, you would have had the CRB index climbing, right? We wouldn't see the contraction of the CRB index. You would see um, maybe some wage growth in, in an inflationary uh, period, and so therefore debt would be, uh, instead of debt um, you know, contra- contracting, defaulting, you'd actually have debt, more debt being serviced. Mm-hmm. You don't really have wage growth. You you had some asset inflation. I mentioned to you earlier that it's been rolling over in most parts of the world, other than the U.S. until recently, and um, and so the central bank balance sheets have grown in some cases, unlike anything we've ever seen. And so they've essentially been a, a parking lot, if you will, for all of these legacy assets. But I think that um, 
you know, we're going we're going into this period. I mean, look at the number of homes that are still underwater. Look at the delinquency rates on residential mortgages. I think it's pretty fair to say that we're going to have this this ongoing default restructuring process. Look at the cities in California, municipal mm-hmm. defaults. This is healthy. I mean, it's painful. It's disturbing because it's unlike uh, anything we've seen in quite a while, but it's actually the healthy part of the, of the cycle. And um, I think I think what's happening now is that we're now calling into question the obligations of the various governments around the world. So interest rates, for example, in Spain and and Portugal, Greece, of course, is defaulted and they're getting ready to redefault. Uh, interest rates will rise in these sovereign nations that have you know made too many promises to their to their constituents and that are trying to keep those promises versus defaulting on those promises. And I ultimately think that the U.S., you know, even though we're, we're beyond the $16 trillion in federal debt here, uh, I think unfunded liabilities will have major haircuts going forward. There's no way to, to fund those. And I think initially we will be able to continue to service American debt, but the challenge, and here's the crisis, but again, here's the opportunity. We've got half of our debt coming due the next three, four years. Why not use this crisis? You know, money is fleeing Spain. A lot of this money is coming to the U.S. Yeah. or going to Switzerland. Why not use this opportunity and refinance our debt for 10 or 15 years and yeah. essentially buy us time to restructure the United States and start uh, growing again? Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think that will happen, but I think it's going to be a, a several-year process of, of many, many, many uh, challenges. Yeah, but do you think we're going to be able to refinance our debt at current rates? <sighs> well, okay. So if you were to look at this in, in terms of, I know gross is, is referred to it as the cleanest dirty shirt. I mean, if, if money is fleeing Spanish banks, which uh, year-to-date it's over $180 billion, and money is fleeing Italian banks, and let's say the Eurozone continues to go through a significant contraction, which Kevin and I believe will be the case, why can't a lot of that money find a home here? And then does that then uh, create the opportunity whereby the Treasury refinances a lot of the debt coming due into 5 to 10, 15-year paper and essentially buy us time to restructure many of these IOUs. I mean, a smart uh, Treasury Secretary would be would be looking at that, but you and I would have to question the people in power today. Yeah, or what their motives are or whatever. But the question is then, uh, are we we're, uh, financing a good part of our debt now, I think, with short-term uh, Treasuries, right? That's correct. And we could be going out with treasury rates as low as they are, locking in longer-term funding, probably. Well, look, let's say, I mean, look, I think we're, if we haven't seen the lows in, in longer-term treasury yields, let's say we have another unraveling, uh-huh. which I actually think has begun in the last several weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it possible that the 10-year treasury yield goes to 1, 1 1.25%? And if so, with all of this money, let's say, fleeing Europe, and mm-hmm. look at the money leaving China. I mean, mm-hmm. foreign direct investment outflows in China are huge the last nine months. That A lot of that money is coming here. Um, yeah. Why not use it as an opportunity? Yeah. No, it's it's a... an opportunity. And, and essentially create, if you think about it, if we had real leadership, you know, you get rid of capital gains taxes, you have all the incentives put in place to attract capital formation, entrepreneurs from around the world. People are fleeing uh, business owners in France are leaving right now because of the new tax. Why not welcome them, those people here? 
Yeah, well, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as you say, uh, what about the politicians? And I don't know uh, if it makes much difference if Mr. Romney or Mr. Obama gets back in, but the point is that uh, I, I hear what you're saying, and you're thinking like a rational person. I'm just not sure uh, about our politicians, but that's another issue. So, Bill, uh, can we... So. Your thinking here is that it, we may have begun the next leg down. Why do you say that? Well, I say that for several reasons, Jay. Number one, um, we've run $1.4 trillion annual deficits for the last four years. That has created an, an entirely illusionary um, economic backdrop. So many companies that have been reporting uh, revenues and earnings, you have to question what percentage of those revenues and earnings are a function of this newly printed money that's making its way through the system. Mm-hmm. And if, we're, if the marketplace pressures us whereby we can't run these deficits, then what types of and or there's problems continuing overseas, which we believe there will be, mm-hmm. uh, uh, then what types of haircuts will you see to revenues and earnings going forward? I actually think you're going to see a significant haircut to revenues and earnings. And we look at operating businesses, non-financial operating businesses, and you could see uh, top-line growth is rolled over in certain instances. Uh, margins are coming under attack. So we're going into an earnings recession. Okay, and then you look at the backdrop of sovereign debt. Um, you look at uh, the, the amount of money that we're misallocating to the entire sovereign debt arena, um, this is going to have a very contractionary impact on on uh, uh, operating businesses. Mm-hmm. And so I think multiples on earnings will come down. Uh, I think the Federal Reserve balance sheet will continue to expand. I mean, if you really think about it, the Fed is just buying mortgages that are just legacy mortgages that have gone through several iterations of, of uh moratorium, government programs, refinance programs, et cetera, and they're redefaulting, as Chris Whalen has written about numerous times on Zero Hedge. Uh, these are all redefaulting, and so now what's happening is the banks are just putting these mortgages over to the Fed. They're printing up new reserves. And ultimately, once that process uh, nears completion, which I think is several years away, uh, and the government is forced to do a lot of the right things here, mainly through Congress, um, I think you'll see the next uh, economic recovery, but it will be more inflationary-induced. You'll see credit start to expand, private sector credit start to expand again, et cetera. But look at the last month's commercial industrial lending uh, figures, Jay. I think they were up 1% you know, September over September. So even though rates are at zero, there's no demand for money. There's no, no demand for money because no one no one trusts what the powers that be around the world are going to do with regards to policy decisions. Yeah, well, that's probably part of it, but I have to think that a good part of it also, if you at least if you're looking at consumer debt, is that Americans are just completely flat on their back yet they're broke. Yeah, Americans are broke, but I think if you look around the world, there's a lot of other consumer. Look at Canada. Uh, actually, the Canadian uh, personal balance sheet is actually more dire than the United States. Uh, yeah, personal balance sheet. Same with the UK. So this is this is kind of a global phenomenon. I think what people fail to measure and and analyze is when we when the tech bubble burst back in uh, 2000 and we replaced it with this credit bubble. It's this whole idea of using off you know off balance sheet accounting, the shadow banking system, creating this borrowing short, lending long, 
off-balance sheet world where credit globally was growing at multiples of economic growth, real economic activity, and as real estate in that case was the collateral, and as the real estate bubble burst, all of this stuff went into reverse. The problem is the central banks couldn't really monitor all of it because so much of this activity was taking place off-balance sheet. And so as these experiments came back on balance sheet, of course, we saw what happened with Citigroup, Bank of America needed bailouts from the taxpayer. Um, the, the taxpayer had to come to the rescue. Um, and then, of course, the central bank, you know, printing up new reserves and continuing to grow uh, the balance sheet via mortgage-backed securities. So if, if the private sector credit growth really created illusionary demand through the 2000s, and now we're going into the... the uh, unwinding of the sovereign debt uh, bubble, then what's demand going to be? Yeah, where's it going to come from, right? Exactly. And so they're yeah, trying I think to... that's what the market, and Jay, by the way, that's what yeah. the market is starting to discount here. It's been doing it in other parts of the world. I mean, look at the Chinese stock market the last three years. Mm-hmm. Look at uh, some of the European uh, indices. So the marketplace here uh, is coming into that realization, and I think we're going to go back down, and I think asset prices will trade in a very low multiple to earnings, and I think the un- uncertainty clouds will dissipate, but only through, you know, a very, very tumultuous process, as I mentioned. You mentioned that money is coming out of China now, so the, f- the capital flows are out instead of going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the story on China? Why uh, why all of a sudden, or maybe it's not all of a sudden, but why is China not the uh, uh, the bright spot that everybody was counting on a few years ago? Yeah, I think I think uh, the Chinese uh, uh, bu- illusion, the bubble there, basically a fixed investment to GDP bubble, GDP bubble, which was one for the ages. Um, that bubble is bursting, and you know, of course, that bubble created massive demands for uh, industrial metals, base metals, and look at the base metal prices. Look at the price of iron ore, for example, uh, and nickel, and others. Um, you've got empty cities. You've got a government there that has been printing lots of money. In fact, they've been the biggest money printer as a, as a percentage of GDP the last four years. And we're now starting to realize that these local governments can't repay their debt. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're watching bridges collapse. I think there have been four or five bridges in China that have collapsed this year. So, you know, it was a bubble. It was one for the ages. And uh, it's it's clearly in a hard landing, uh, and I think everyone now questions any of the data coming out of China. And so the Chinese stock market, which has gone down three years in a row, is telling you that there are major issues there. Do you um, think, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, well, I, I, and, I think, and I think the reality is the, the economy there was never real to begin with. Yeah. It was all a centrally planned uh, situation. How much different is that, though, than from what we have now, Bill? I mean, uh, we we certainly are heading in that direction more and more with all these QEs and so forth. Uh, but you sound hopeful in the sense that this thing could be turned around if we would just, if, if a few policies would be put into place that would encourage capital flows back in, if our our, uh, our capital gains taxes were relaxed, if some other things. Uh, so, you know, but. But really, the, the trend has been this way globally. I mean, the Keynesian economists, they don't, they don't think anything about digging a hole and filling it back up as long as you have the demand side of the economy 
um, uh, stimulated, right? That's the whole notion here. And we, and Lord knows, you know, they talk about, oh, the central bank, the Fed can't do it all anymore. Uh, but, but in fact, the, the Fed isn't doing it all. We have huge amounts of deficit spending. So Keynesian economics is being tried and tried and tried along with, uh, stimulative monetary policy. And why is it so difficult, Bill, for people to understand that this is not market economics, this is not capitalism, this is probably fascism or some other kind of ism that has nothing to do with free markets. Why Why can't people get this through their heads? Why all the talking heads on the mainstream media don't get it? Why is this the case? Well, I think my friend Mark Faber said it best. Uh, he said, Bill, the Americans have mastered the game of bread and circus. We have many, many distractions here in America, and I think that has kept uh, the masses preoccupied and really what's happened behind the scenes, especially the last four years, has been kind of the uh, growth in crony capitalism, the uh, compression of the middle class, and uh, really, really the, uh, the destruction of just true capital formation. Now, on the positive side, and, and spending a lot of time traveling internationally last year, meeting a number of different people, uh, people still look at America and say, look, if there's a solution, uh, it's going to have to come from the entrepreneur in America, or, or America would have to be one of the key players, because the DNA, that entrepreneurial DNA in America, it's unlike any other part of the world. And I think most entrepreneurs uh, around the world would, would agree with that statement. Of course, it's under attack, and it's under attack because of the, 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 the policy decisions and some of the other um, um, variables that have happened the last four years. But um, I think the only thing that changes that is, is a crisis. And I think we're in the early stage of, um, here anyway, of a major crisis. Okay, Bill. And I think, yeah, uh, Bill, I hear what you're saying. Unfortunately, we're running out of time here. I want to, the crisis issue that you're talking about, I absolutely agree with you. There are some people that are taking advantage of this crisis, and, and the names Carlos Slim and uh, Ike Batista, Ike Batista, come to mind. And I think that you had mentioned these guys are taking big positions in gold. Why would they be doing that at the same time that our most revered Warren Buffett is suggesting you buy stocks? What, where's the disconnect here, and what should people, who should people really be following in your view? Well, I think, okay, I think that Batista, you know, they're both billionaires, obviously Slim is very wealthy, Batista also wealthy, but I think they're buying gold mines because they view gold in the ground and controlling gold production almost like their own personal bank, and they don't really trust the banking system. Uh, in Slim's case, he sold several businesses over the last few years, and uh, he's not reinvesting that in private businesses, and he's buying more gold mines. So... Uh, you know, Buffett, I think I would call Buffett a crony capitalist. Um, he's clearly um, you know, in the back pocket of, of the, uh, the, uh, the Beltway, and um, I would think Batista and, and Slim buying gold is telling you that gold in the ground, a lot of these are juniors, but they're, they're cheap assets right now. Mm-hmm. So they view gold in the ground as money and almost as their private bank. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I think it pays to uh, watch what the smart guys and what the rich guys are doing with their money. Certainly, if you, uh, if you have enough money, there's ways that you can protect yourself. What I'm concerned about as a middle-class person myself, Bill, is what's going to happen to us, you know, us common folks. And I know uh, that is something that you care an awful lot about as well. Uh, we are unfortunately out of time. I had 
a couple more pages of questions for you, Bill, so we'll have to have you back sometime soon. I do have Mickey Falp coming on with me uh, after the break, uh, and Mickey will have some ideas about gold, that's for sure, and gold mining companies and a lot of other things. So, folks, uh, we do have to go. Thanks, Bill, for being with me, and we'll hope to have you back again sometime in the very near future. Thanks, Jay. Have a great day. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back with Mickey Falp. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network eurasian minerals is a prospect generation exploration and royalty company focused on the discovery of gold and copper the company currently has over 140 properties on four continents our joint venture partners have committed to spend over 15 million dollars on eurasian minerals projects in 2012 The company maintains a tight share structure, a low cash burn rate, and holds $43 million in cash, creating value through discovery, growth, and royalties. Eurasian Minerals. Attention mining investors. Brazil Resources Incorporated trading as BRIZF on the OTC and BRI on the TSXV is exploring and developing five gold projects in Brazil, surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits. It's acquiring a nearly 700,000-ounce gold resource. BRI has top geologists earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold in Brazil, led by recognized mining executive Amir Adnani, chairman. Check out BrazilResources.com or call 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 